Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. As you listen this morning to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and we've all heard of spring cleaning, but have you heard of fall cleaning? It's not a bad idea if you think it's necessary to clean your house more than once a year or want to get your home in order before hunkering down for the winter. An important part of cleaning is decluttering. You know, by the time we reach our 50s and 60s, we just get so much stuff in our homes that it really can get overwhelming. If you don't think there are things in your home, you would be better off without. You really should look again. If you're retired, you can donate your old work clothes. Old cell phones and other electronics can also be donated. And it seems like there's someone out there willing to buy just about anything on eBay. And this can give you a bit of extra cash, which can be donated to charity via eBay, which will help track your donations for tax purposes. And when you donate your ch- to charities, you're not only helping others, but you know, you're helping your tax bill too. And less things around the house means more space and less to clean. But there's also such a thing as decluttering your finances. Do you have an old 401k from a former job? There's an old saying, if you're not still working at your old employer, if you're not still there, why is your 401k still there? Do you know the fees that you could be paying on them? How long has it been since you really looked at your asset allocation? I mean, a lot more important and deeper than just the products you're using, the mutual funds or the ETFs, but what is the asset allocation? And what's all this talk of recession that you're hearing about? Everybody's talking about it. Why is that? And what should you be doing about it to get your finances in order and how that would impact your pending or, you know, your pending retirement or if you're already there? So these are just some of the questions you should be asking as you near and enter retirement. So that's what we're going to talk about on this show today. We'll talk about 401k management fees you may not know about. We'll talk about the differences between mutual funds and ETFs, exchange traded funds. And we'll talk about ways to declutter your home and help a charity. But first... We're going to talk about taking a financial inventory and what should you be doing with all of this talk that you're hearing about recession. So let's just kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, Everybody's talking about it. It's It's been all over the news. It's been buried a little bit, I guess, in the last week with all this impeachment stuff. By the way, in a couple weeks, we're going to have a Washington insider on and we're going to talk about all the stuff going on in Washington and most importantly, how it may affect you and me. Um, but you, you, there's been a lot about recession. It started in August. What in the world is going on? Uh, the, the big thing that happened 
had to do with interest rates, and I don't. I've talked about that in a couple of previous shows about the inverted yield curve. I don't want to get too much into that today, but the bottom line is the interest rate environment is just not normal right now. I mean, interest rates are not only really low, but you can earn more money on, for example, a two-year CD than you can earn on a five-year CD. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. It's kind of upside down. And in the past, when we're upside down like that, we typically see a recession within a couple of years. And then we're, we're seeing signs. I mean, the economy is still growing. U.S. stocks are still making money, U.S. companies. But the growth is slowing down. There are signs that the trade war with China is making an impact on economic growth negatively. And this show, we're not going to argue about whether we should be doing that or not. I'm just letting you know what the economic realities are. There are some concerns that within the next two years, we'll see a recession. Recession and bear markets are not always interrelated. They, they don't always, one goes with the other. However, I do think it's very likely that we would see in the next recession, either leading up to it or during the recession, we would see a bear market, which means the stock market loses more than 20%. And more than likely, I think it would be a milder recession. I don't think it would be a deep recession. However, stock market performance in recession seems to have more to do with how ex- it has less to do with how deep the recession is and more to do with how expensive are stocks before the recession. And stocks are very expensive right now under almost any measurement. So really, if you read between the lines of what I'm saying, I'm saying, hey, I think a recession is, is very likely in the next two years, that, and, and, and more than likely we would see a bear market and could be a pretty deep bear market. So what should you be doing with your money? Well, first off, I mean, I'm telling you what I think and what the numbers suggest, but that could all be wrong. We may not see a recession in two years. We may see a recession next month. You know, we, now it's a backward-looking thing. By the time we're in recession, you, you know, we. by the time we learn we're in recession, we've already been in it for a little while. But we could, you know, we could start a bear. Let's start, really what we're talking about is how it affects markets and how your, it affects your ability to retire. We could, we could see a bear market next month. We may not see a bear market for three more years. I think it's probably pretty likely we'll see one in the next two years. It may happen next year. It may happen in 2021. We just don't know. And here's the thing. A lot of most bull market runs, which is what we've experienced since March of 2009, most bull market runs, the last 12 months of that bull market run is usually pretty exuberant. So in other words, if you just go to cash, what if it's two more years before we see a bear market and you miss out on tremendous growth? We, we all know that market timing does not work. It doesn't work to try to time when you're in the market and when you're out of the market. And it's a futile exercise in my opinion. So, you know, I've got a lot of people asking me this, Jim, if recession, you know, if you think it's going to come in the next two or three years, why wouldn't we just go ahead and go to cash? Well, that's timing, and I could be wrong, and, and who knows, we could see a huge boom in the next two years before, you know, we see a recession. We, we just don't know. So how, you know, we know market timing doesn't work, so what should you be doing? You know, if, the, if we've had a huge run the last 10 years, 
What should you be doing now, knowing that things are starting to look a little gloomier? Well, I would say, number number one, realize that it's just a futile exercise to try to time the market. I don't think you need to just sell everything and go to cash. I think that'd be a big mistake. Number two, you need to measure the risk that's in your portfolio right now. Measure it and look at that asset allocation. And by the way, when I say asset allocation, I don't mean what mutual funds do you own. I mean, what is your asset allocation? Like how much is in large cap stocks? What's the balance between growth and value type stocks? How much is in small cap U.S. stocks? How much is in international stocks? How much is in emerging markets? Okay, that's just the stock exposure. And then what is your bond exposure? How much is in traditional U.S. bonds that have interest rate risk in the United States? How much is in foreign bonds that help you hedge the dollar? How much is in non-traditional bonds, which are bonds that can go up with rising interest rates rather than down? And then what type of alternative exposure do you have? Real estate, commodities, energy, you know, diversification. Because here's the reality, that in the long run, your result of your investments, 80 to 90% of that result is determined not by the products you choose. Do you choose a mutual fund or an ETF or what do you choose and which one? 80 to 90% of your outcomes determined by your asset allocation. How much do you have in each of those different categories? The product selection the security selection, what mutual fund or ETF or stock or bond you use, that's only 10 to 20% of the outcome. The more important thing is asset allocation. So have you really looked at that? How long has it been since you rebalanced your portfolio? If it's been five years since you've really paid any attention to it, you're probably out of whack and probably are taking a whole lot more risk than you even realize. So measure the risk in your portfolio. We have great tools now that we can stress test portfolios. We can do all kinds of things. We can we can look at hey if an eight, if a two thousand eight repeated what would you be likely to lose? You know if interest rates spiked, what is your bond exposure? How much would you be likely to lose? We we can test all of those things. What's likely to happen in the next six months from a best case scenario to a worst case scenario? And we know that measuring things like that doesn't guarantee and predict the future, but we can get a pretty good idea of how a portfolio is likely to ha- behave, both when the market is booming and also when the market is busting so how long has it been since you measured what's actually in your portfolio what is your asset allocation and what is your risk you know investing is all about balancing risk and reward and nobody wants to lose money but we all want to make money and you've got to measure that and i found how much people want to make is very much a function of how much are you willing to lose when things are bad so you start with the downside risk and and what is your appetite for loss so you've got to measure these things and this is a great this is when you should be doing that right now because we've had this historic bull market run it's probably pretty likely we're going to see a bear market in the next two to three years. I think probably in the next two years. But we don't want to time that stuff because we might see more boom in the next two years. 
So measure it now. And then the other part is to secure, number three, secure income in the short term. If you're about to retire, secure your income over the next five to seven years that it's coming from investments that are stable and protected and go, don't go up and down in the stock market. You don't ever want to live on in the early years of retirement. You don't want to be living on investments that are going up and down in value because then inevitably they're going to be down. And that means when they're down, you're having to sell them off and spend that money as income. You'll compound your losses. It'll never, ever come back because you've spent it. See, it's okay to sell something when it's down and reinvest it, but you don't ever want to sell it when it's down and spend it because you'll compound those losses. So in a financial plan... You structure income in the next five to seven years, especially in the early years of retirement, that you're not dependent on the money that's in the market. It is you're not going to touch it for six or seven years. So if there's a bear market in next year or the year after, it doesn't blow up your retirement plan. You don't retire and then there's a bear market and you're like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? Or you're planning on retiring in two years, there's a bear market next year and you feel like, Jim, I can't retire for seven more years. There's no reason for you to be exposed to that kind of risk. There's also no reason for you to go to cash. It just doesn't make sense with market timing. So create a financial plan that measures the risk you're taking and balances that risk with some safe Stable investments, safe is a relative word. What I really mean there is it doesn't go up and down with the market. Uh, There are risks to safe money, inflationary risks, things like that. What I mean, though, is you can count on the money being there when you need the income. And you've got to do that for the early years of retirement. So, you know, you do those three things. Don't time the market. Measure your risk and your asset allocation and take appropriate amounts of risk and balance it with your potential growth and rewards and secure income in the early years of retirement from stable investments that you can count on. You do those three things. You don't have to worry so much about the market timing of when's the next bear market. Now, does that mean you can't do some a little bit of hedging and get a little more defensive in your portfolio? No, I'm not saying that. But the start is by doing those three things. Now, um, this is exactly the kind of stuff I talk about in my class that's coming up at Pellissippi State in Hardin Valley. It's on October the 15th and 22nd. It's a two-part class, Thrive Financially in Retirement. You can go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com for more information and download the syllabus. And this is exactly the kind of stuff I talk about in that class. Again, it's on two successive Tuesday nights, the 15th and 22nd of October, 6.30 p.m. at the Hardin Valley Campus at Pellissippi. Now, I'm going to be teaching that same class in Blunt County. For those of you that live out in Maryville or even off the North Shore Drive area or in Teleco Village, it's their Friendsville campus. It's convenient to Pellissippi and Alcoa Highway. Again, though, if you just go to PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com, both of those classes are listed there, and you can download the syllabus, and you can click to register with Pellissippi State. Again, that's PellissippiRetirementPlanning.com. When we come back, understanding the differences between mutual funds and ETFs or index funds, which is better Should you be using one or the other and why? So don't go away as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan as we talk about decluttering and getting your house in order for the fall. You're listening to more Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your 
Listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author, and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865 862 6800 or on the web at BroganFinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. And welcome back. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. This is More Living. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. And in that first segment, it's so important preparing for the next bear market. And I had those three tips. One of them was measuring the risk in your portfolio and looking at your asset allocation. Uh, I do want to mention, um, that is what we do in our office. And if you would like us to do that for you, we will do that complimentary. And that's what we do in an initial consultation. Uh, it's complimentary. Uh, if you go to my website at broganfinancial.com, there's a form there right there on the homepage that you can fill out for a complimentary appointment. And we're happy to do an analysis and look at the risks you're taking and are they appropriate and how to balance risk and reward? What does your asset allocation look like? And then how do you structure income in the next five to seven years so that you don't worry about when is the next bear market? So it's measuring risk and planning in security of income. So again, go to broganfinancial.com. It's right there on the homepage. You can fill out the form for a free consultation or give us a call at 862-6800. That's our office number. You can call right now and leave a message. We'll call you Monday morning, 862-6800. Now, in our next segment, I'm going to discuss mutual funds and ETFs. So in that last segment, I talked more about asset allocation, measuring risk. Today, what products do you use? Do you use What's the difference in a managed mutual fund and an index fund? There are pros and cons to both. Is one better than the other? I got to be honest. Most people out, most advisory firms and advisors that I, that I hear, they basically push one or the other. And they kind of believe in one or the other. So let's break it down. A managed mutual fund, you know, you have a mutual fund money manager that is picking, they're buying, let's talk about stock funds specifically. So mutual funds that buy a lot of stocks. <clears throat> Those mutual fund managers are buying and selling stocks, trying to generate return in the portfolio. So they're managing the investments, the, the stocks. So we'll call that active management. They're actively trading. And in John Bogle, who's the former chairman of the, of the Vanguard Group, in his book, Bogle on Mutual Funds, he says the average stock mutual fund has 90 to 100% turnover in a year. Meaning, if it has 100% turnover, that means in one year it's selling off all of the stocks and buying all new stocks. So there's a lot of trading, typically, not always. But it's active management. Now, an index fund, as example, an S&P 500 fund, that is a fund that's designed to track the movement of the S&P 500, which is an index made up of 500 of the largest U.S. companies. 
they're just trying to duplicate. The managers of that fund are just trying to duplicate the performance of the S&P 500. Now, you can buy an index in almost any index, in any asset class. I mean, you could buy small cap value stocks. You could buy, you can buy an index fund in companies that mine for gold. You can buy an index fund in foreign currencies. I mean, you can buy an index fund in almost anything, as you can usually a managed fund as well. But a, an index fund is not actively managed. They're just, there's not a lot of buying and selling typically because they're just trying to duplicate, as example, the S&P 500. So it's not as, it's passively managed as opposed to actively managed. Now, there's two things that come into play. There's no management, really, of an index fund. It's tracking the index. So when markets are choppy and volatile, there is no management whatsoever. You will go with that index. If you're in the S&P 500, you will go with the U.S. stock market. There is no management at all. So that's a negative of index funds. However, managed funds... Because they're actively managed by managers or a manager, they have higher fees. The expense ratios are typically higher than on an index fund. So there's a big argument in the industry, should you go with a managed fund or index funds? And you'll hear people say index funds outperform the vast majority of managed funds over long periods of time. And it kind of depends on the index and what we're tracking here. But as a rule, they do outperform most, certainly over half. Usually it's a higher number than that. Index funds outperform managed funds. That doesn't mean that managed funds don't have their spot. So how do you sort through all this? Because the product selection, while it's only 10 to 20% of your outcome, the more important part is the asset classes, large cap stocks, small cap stocks, bonds, foreign stocks, all that other commodities, real estate, energy, all those other things. That's more important. But this is still very important. My feeling is there are definitely advantages to both, and there are definitely disadvantages to both. And I've just outlined them for you, some of them. And great money managers at these mutual funds that have been really good for long periods of time you know, there's a lot to be said for the, their track record. Now, you, you do inherit an extra level of risk. There's a, an extra management risk there because just because a fund has performed well in the past doesn't mean it'll perform well in the future from a management perspective. And they do have higher fees. So over time, those fees could drain down the return. But the bottom line is there are advantages to manage funds, especially managers that have a track record in choppy markets because we're we're in very choppy markets right now maybe got a bear market coming in the next couple of years that management might be real valuable but on the same token there's something to be said for index funds you know they're lower cost you know what you're going to get there's not that management risk but you know as a rule index funds are, are you know they usually do really well when markets are just booming but when we have a lot of choppiness, managed funds sometimes will rue the day. So my, But we don't know the future. We know what's happened the last five years and ten years and three years, but we don't know what's going to happen the next three and five and ten years. We don't know. So we don't know if it's going to be a boom or choppy or a bust or whatever. 
So why would you not consider all of that stuff? I mean, there are there are advantages to managed funds. There are advantages to index funds. In good money management, you should be considering everything. Now, managing fees is a very important part of the equation, but you don't want to go overboard with that, like the internal costs of the funds themselves. And we're in a danger zone with all the emphasis on fees, and I think it's important. In my next segment, we're going to talk about 401k fees. So it is important, absolutely, but you can go too far with that. You know, I've seen 401k plans, for example, that they, they kind of put a prepackage together and they have this long list of potential mutual funds and they put a package together of maybe 15 of them. And, you know, I've seen examples where clients have come in and the company put this package together and it turned out that they had other funds available that are incredible funds, but they screened them out of selection because their fee wasn't under a half of a percent per year. And those and, and some of those funds are number one in category over like five and ten years, or certainly in the top ten percent, consistently year after year after year. So just be careful with all that. And, and I think you just, in an effective investment strategy, you start with your asset allocation, number one, and then on the product selection, you consider everything. In my office, we use a good mixture of managed funds, and we use a good mixture of index funds because there are advantages to both. And those have to be continually, actively managed because they can be proved you know, to be less effective in the future as markets change. So it's got to be looked at on an active basis. Uh, so be careful when you hear people out there saying, oh, only do index funds. It's the only thing that works or will work. Or, oh, only do managed funds. I mean, all of those thoughts are dangerous. I think that is common sense. You know, there's there's pros to both. There's cons to both. Consider all of it. Why would we eliminate all, a category of investment from consideration? It doesn't make any sense. It's not common sense. You know, I found that usually when companies do that, it's marketing. I think maybe fundamentally they believe somewhat in what they're preaching. Don't get me wrong, but it's primarily a marketing decision because it sounds good be careful about something that just sounds good the reality is there's advantages to both so don't get trapped into doing one or the other now um if you would like us to do a review of this for you we can do that if you'll go to my website at broganfinancial.com there's a form there for you to fill out a review you can also sign up for our weekly newsletter where we keep you abreast of everything that we've got going on and all my blog postings and our podcasts go to broganfinancial.com and you can sign up for a free review and we'll do that for you you can also find out more about any and all of my upcoming classes by clicking on the classes tab now when we come back We'll discuss 401k fees you may not be aware of. And if you're, if you're not at your old company, why is your 401k? And what should you be doing? So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this morning to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. As you listen to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and fall cleaning is a nice kind of thing to be thinking about. It's decluttering our lives. We think about that in the spring. We need to be thinking about it in the fall. And decluttering means... In addition to decluttering our homes and our lives, it's it's decluttering our financial situation and getting prepared for uh, what I think is going to be an economic storm in the next couple of years. Winter is coming <laughs> for tomorrow, a Game of Thrones line. So, uh, yeah, Colin's giving me the nod on the winter is coming line. If my wife's listening this morning, she's probably getting all excited about and then dis- disappointed there's no more Game of Thrones. But no, it's serious, though. you got to have a plan for all this stuff, but don't try to time markets. But you can have a plan to deal with the likelihood that we're going to have a bear market in the next couple of years. But we don't know when, and I could be wrong. So you need a plan to deal with all of those things. So getting our affairs in order. So this segment, let's discuss how much your 401k fees could be costing you. You know, fees can really add up. Overtime. So find out how much you're, you're paying every year and what should you be doing with your 401ks, especially your old 401ks from prior employers or when you retire. So you probably have a pretty good understanding of how your 401k works, but do you know what fees you're paying? According to a TD Ameritrade survey, only 27% of people surveyed that have 401k plans. Uh, 401ks knew how much they were paying in their 401k fees. And 37% of those surveyed didn't realize they were paying fees at all. And about 95% of 401k participants pay fees. I'll be honest. I mean, when I saw that number, 95% of 401k participants pay fees, I don't under, I don't know why it's not 99 and a half. I mean, I, I can't remember the last time I had somebody bring in a 401k plan didn't have some kind of fees. Uh, about the only way you could have that is if you just owned employer stock. Because any kind of funds have fees. I talked about that in the last segment. But how can you find out what your fees are? You know, your 401k provider is required by law now to disclose all of its fees in the prospectus it gives you when you enroll in the plan or in the, the plan documents themselves. It, it's They have to tell you those fees. So you should check them, these documents and the, your statements for, for line item categories like total asset-based fees, you know, total operating expenses as a percentage or expense ratios. These are kind of how these fees show up in a 401k. And they typically fall into four different categories. There's an investment category, and those are going to be the fees of the actual funds. Like, what is the internal expense ratio of ABC Mutual Fund or XYZ ETF? Well, that's an expense. 
That's a fee, and that's an investment fee for the product that is being used. There are administrative fees that the 401k provider may be charging. Now, sometimes the employer will pay that fee for you. Sometimes you'll have to pay that fee. There could be individual service fees, and there could be custodial fees. For the company plan that has it, they charge some sort of a custody fee. Now, three of those, the administrative, individual services, like if usually that's going to be if somebody's helping manage the investment choices. More 401k plans now offer an option like that. Usually they charge about a half of a percent for just that option. And it's not really financial planning. It's just picking investments based on a risk profile. The administrative and custodial fees, sometimes you pay them, sometimes the employer pays them, sometimes it's a mixture of both. The investment fees are typically borne entirely by the investor, by you. So it's important to identify these fees. So how much could these fees be costing you? And they can vary greatly depending on the 401k plan, the size of your employer plan, the number of participants, and who is the plan provider. And they can really add up over time. Let me give you an example. Let's say we've got three plans. And let's look at all the fees and add them up as a percentage of the money you have invested. In one plan, you pay 1% in fees on an ongoing basis. That includes the mutual funds and ET index funds and everything else. Another one you pay 2%, and the other one you pay 3%. Now, 3% would be high, 1% probably be kind of low, but it just depends on your plan. But So you got 1%, 2%, and 3%, three different plans, and you've got $100,000 invested. And let's say you're 35 years old, and you get an 8% per year return. We'll just pick a kind of a, you know, not pessimistic, but not too optimistic market over times. Well, anyway, we won't get into all that. I'm just picking some reasonable numbers here. So again, $100,000 invested at age 35, making 8% per year. How much will you have at 65 without adding any money to it or taking any money out? What's the difference in a 1% includes, you know, fees versus 2% versus 3%. If you only have 1% in fees, that 100,000 would grow to over 760. If it's 2% in fees, it drops down to 574. Think about that. That's the difference in 100,000 growing to 574 versus 761. That is a remarkable difference in the growth of that account. And if the fees are 3%, it's only 432,000. So just to drive home the importance of fees. So what should you do with an old 401k? Or what should you do with your 401k if you're past 59 and a half? More and more private company plans will allow you to do something with that 401k without triggering the tax burden. And it's called an IRA rollover, a direct IRA rollover where it goes straight to an IRA. So should your 401k, let's say you're retired or you have an old 401k, should it be in the 401k or should you consider rolling it into an IRA or some other vehicle? Well, first off, you need to, you know, more than likely you need to leave it in a tax structure. You know, you don't want to be taxed on it. And then if you're under 59 and a half, you don't want to be penalized 10% on top of the tax. But you can roll it, a direct rollover into an IRA, and there's no tax on that transaction. So is it better to be in the 401k or in the IRA? As a rule, I'm a much bigger fan of an IRA if it's the right kind of an IRA. Now, I'm a big fan of no-load brokerage accounts. No-load brokerage accounts mean there's no commission for an advisor when you buy and sell things. 
So, you know, those are the big, you know, there's, there, we use TD Ameritrade at my office. Uh, there's other Schwab, Fidelity, there, companies like that. Um, Pershing, there's others. Actually, there's a whole lot of others. But there's no, so because there's no commission for an advisor when you buy or sell, you can, you know, you're, you're not handcuffed on investing. You can freely buy and sell. There could be a small transaction fee, but it could be managed. And, and there's a greater choice of, of funds to pick, of securities to pick from. Not just funds, any kind of security. Any publicly registered security for the most part, 98 to 99% of all mutual funds, plus stocks, bonds, ETFs, just about anything that's publicly traded. So think about it. In a 401k, you've got, you know, maybe 10, 15 choices. In an IRA, you're almost unlimited on what you can invest in. Well, which gives you greater control of your investments? The 401k with only 15 choices or the IRA with an almost unlimited array of choices? You have much greater control typically of your investment choices in an IRA. Now, there can be exceptions, but an IRA typically provides you with greater control of the investments. Uh, it also provides you typically greater control of your beneficiary planning of what happens to that account when you die. I mean, you typically, I say typically, you don't want to die with a company plan, the 401k, 403b. Now, I'm talking specifically about when the, not when it goes to a spouse, but when it's going to anybody other than a spouse, your kids, your grandkids, whomever, people you love. You don't want to die with a 401k or 403b or other company plan. I don't have time to get into all those reasons, but those are two big reasons of why an IRA can, can, gives you greater control typically than a 401k, but it doesn't mean it's a slam dunk. You still have to understand, are there, what are the investment options in the 401k? Would you lose some of those if you're in the IRA? What are the fees in the 401k? What are the fees in the IRA? Now, typically you have greater ability to control those fees in an IRA but not always. And are there other age-limiting factors? Like if you retire from your employer when you're 56, you have unfettered access to a 401k with no tax penalty. You do not have that in an IRA. You'd have a 10% penalty unless you go through, jump through a lot of hoops of taking income over a long period of time that you can't ever change. So, uh, you know, there are so many exceptions to this. I can't get into all of these But as a rule, if you've got an old 401k, either you're retired or you have an old employer plan, you would at least want to seriously consider taking greater control of those investments, number one, that you get in a no-load brokerage IRA, and then the second thing would be taking control of the beneficiary planning. And I know that may be way down your list, but number one is taking control of the investment on. So you'd want to at least seriously consider it, but then you do have to look at all the other factors. Are you giving something up? Are you, what do the fees look like? Got to examine all of those things. All right, we're going to go to our last break. And when we come back, different ways you can declutter your home and help charities as well. So stick around. You can clean up your life and help some charities and maybe save yourself on some taxes. So stay tuned as you listen to more Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit BroganFinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. And I do want to tell you, I'm excited. We've got all our new podcast page up at the website at broganfinancial.com. If you click on radio, uh, we've got our uh, show's podcast for this year. And then we've got the dollars and cents segments that I do the weeks where I have a guest in studio, I do those dollars and cents segments. They're typically four or five minutes long. I've got all of those, and I've got them indexed by category. Income planning, investments, wealth management, financial planning, social security. I've got them cataloged, and you can listen to those dollars and cents podcasts. We've also got all of my retirement minutes from this year also indexed by category. I'd love for you to go check that out. You can also check out our upcoming classes. I'm at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley on October 15th and 22nd. I'm in Blunt County in Pellissippi and Friendsville on the 10th and 17th. But you can get all that at my website, broganfinancial.com. You can sign up for a free review. Uh, we've also got some great resources on there that you can download for free. And, uh, for example, we talk about decluttering. There's a vital records worksheet on that website, and you can download it, no cost, and it helps you organize all your affairs. It basically is a worksheet where you tell your loved ones where everything is located so that, you know, if you passed away unexpectedly or suddenly, they know where to find everything. And I'm telling you, I can't tell you enough how much that's going to help them. So check that out at broganfinancial.com. Now, you don't have to write a check to help a charity. You probably have things in your home that you don't need and that someone else may be able to use. You may be able to even earn a tax write-off. So how can you declutter your home and help people at the same time and maybe get a tax benefit? So one is you can donate your clothes to job seekers. You may not be aware of this, but after you retire, you don't need work clothes anymore. And if you're still, and even if you're still working, you might have old ones you don't wear anymore. There are a number of charities that accept professional wear donations to help people thrive in their professions and careers. It's charities like Dress for Success and Career Gear. So that's a cool option. You can also donate your airline miles. You know, at a certain point in your life, you might not want to make long trips anymore. And many nonprofits, including the American Red Cross, use donated air miles for nationwide and international disaster relief. What a great thing to do. Now, donating miles is not tax deductible. So just be aware of that. But what a benefit. If you're not going to use them or it's unlikely, give them to somebody that will use them. It'll benefit the charity. You can donate a cell phone to a soldier. That's serving this country. If you have an old cell phone you don't use, you can donate it to Cell Phones for Soldiers, a nonprofit that provides cost-free communication services to active-duty military and veterans. They also accept donations of smart tablets you can mail or drop off at an assigned location. You can also donate proceeds from the stuff you sell on eBay. You can clean out your closets, make a little bit of cash, with just selling, you can almost sell anything on eBay. And you can choose to donate a portion 
of what you make on those sales to a charity of your choice, but eBay will manage that for you and track your donations for tax purposes so you can get 100% of your donation to your chosen charity. And you can choose to donate all or any portion of those proceeds, and they'll, eBay will even waive a portion of the shipping fees based on the percentage that you donate. So as you think about a fall cleaning and decluttering your house, these are just some cool ways you may not have been aware of. Donating a cell phone to the military, to for a soldier to use, a tablet. You know, these are cool things that, that your miles you're not going to use. American Red Cross and international disaster relief. And, with, and, and right here in the U.S. with what happened with Dorian. So there's some really cool things you can do, and I would urge you to do that. It not only will help declutter your life, you may get a financial impact, but most importantly, you can impact the lives of people that aren't as blessed as you and me. And I think when we do that, and when we focus on helping others that aren't as fortunate as you and I, it just it, we get those blessings back tenfold, seeing the impact... And it changes our perspective on life and money. That, that life-money balance is so important. When we're actively engaged in helping people that are not as fortunate as we are. And you know what? Just about everybody listening, I, I promise you there's people in this world not as fortunate as you are. And I know some of, it, some of you are going through rough times, but there's people out there that aren't as fortunate. And anytime you focus on others, you know, and I believe that biblically, we should focus on others more than, you know, that should be our focus. Service to others. Thank you for tuning in this week. Again, go to my website at broganfinancial.com. We've got all kinds of new information there, new ways for you to engage with us and in getting information so you can make informed and prudent decisions that can impact the quality of your life. You can also find out about my classes in October at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley and at Blunt County. So please do go there, broganfinancial.com. You can also check out our podcasts on the radio tab. Thank you for tuning in this week as we've discussed decluttering and preparing for the future because that will provide for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you. This You've been listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We'll be right back here next weekend. Have a very blessed weekend yourself. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.